Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. I would like to take you to the, the letter of Hebrews in the New Testament to try to share with you about the supremacy, the superiority, the centrality of Christ as against the so many teachings that we have today that distort the identity of who Jesus is and what he has done. If you would please open with me, if you have your Bible nearby, to read the first four verses of chapter 1 of Hebrews. This is what it says. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us by his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. As we look at the book of Hebrews and especially look at the superiority, the supremacy, the centrality of Christ, it is important that you understand where we are coming from. The book of Hebrews is one of the letters that we find in the New Testament. We do not know the author. Some people have thought it was Paul, others it was Apollos, others it was one of the twelve disciples. But we are not given a name of who could have authored this book. One thing we know is that he was familiar with the Old Testament Jewish writings, meaning that he could have been a Jew. We know from chapter 2 that he was familiar with the disciples of Jesus, meaning he could have been an early witness of the ministry of Jesus and that of the apostles. This letter is written to a community of Jewish believers that are living outside Israel or outside Jerusalem. Imagine the gospel has spread from Jerusalem through Samaria, Judea, and has gone to the other parts of the world. And Jewish believers who have scattered outside Jerusalem or Israel have formed a community somewhere far away from the center where Christianity began. Now these Christians are going through a number of challenges, which is why they receive this encouragement. For starters, as we look through chapter 10, you will find that these Hebrew Christians were going through persecution and imprisonment. These believers were suffering they had lost their homes, they had been ostracized by their own people, they had been rejected not only in the culture but also in the religious affairs of their country. They could not be allowed in the synagogues and in the temples. And why? Because they had forsaken their Old Testament faith, Judaism, to follow Jesus Christ. You can imagine these believers are at a place where they are wondering, is Jesus really worth it? Before we knew him, we were okay, we were happy, loved by our families, going about our daily businesses, enjoying fellowship in the temple. 
But since Jesus became Savior and Lord of our lives, we have suffered, we've become homeless, we've lost our loved ones. Why is Jesus the cause of all this trouble? Who is this man? What has he done? What makes him special that he is worth living for and in fact even worth dying for as some of them were being persecuted to their death? They needed to answer the question of the who and the what of Jesus before they could make a firm commitment to live for him and if necessary to die for him. At a time of great confusion and conflict like this, the writer of Hebrews writes this letter to show them the superiority of Jesus, what Jesus is, what he has done, and why he demands their full commitment and attention, no matter what it will cost them. But we also notice that this community of believers was very familiar with Old Testament teaching. In the book of Hebrews, you will find the author rehearsing major events of the nation of Israel. He talks about Abraham and the promises God gave him. He talks about Moses and receiving the commandments on Mount Sinai. He talks about the building of the tabernacle and the establishment of the Levitical priesthood, men who would serve in the house of the Lord, in the temple to offer sacrifices. He talks about Israel's journey from Egypt all the way into the promised land, recounting their time in the wilderness and the challenges they encountered there. You can tell that he is writing to people who are familiar with this kind of history. And from time to time, he draws from Old Testament teaching to show them what God had given them then, and how everything has since become better with the coming of Jesus Christ. These Christians are in danger of going back to Old Testament Judaism because they are not sure whether what Jesus offers in the New Covenant is better than what they had grown up believing. At this great moment where they are tempted to become uh, what we call syncretistic, Mixing of Judaism and biblical Christianity. The writer of this letter writes to them to encourage them that Jesus whom they have received is better and greater. To warn them about the danger of syncretism. To warn them about the danger of going back to Judaism as a religion. But even more so, to remind them of who they have become in Christ and what they can expect because of the work of Jesus on their behalf. In this letter, Jesus will be introduced as one who is greater than the prophets, as one who is greater than the angels, as one who is greater than Moses, who was the Old Testament leader of the nation of Israel to the promised land. Jesus will be pointed out as one who is greater than the whole priesthood ministry in the Old Testament. These believers will be reminded of how the sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary's cross is greater and better than all the sacrifices that Israel had offered and observed in the Old Testament kind of worship. You see the superiority of Christ above everyone and everything. Now, why is this important for us in our day? This becomes relevant for believers today, especially because of the times of false teaching that we are living in. 
One of the major doctrines of the Christian faith that are being attacked today is the doctrine of who Jesus is. They may agree on several other teachings of the Bible, but Jesus becomes the dividing line of who stands in the truth or who stands in error. Either they will deny the humanity of Jesus and claim that Jesus was a spirit being, but he could not have been a human being or a man, or they will deny the divinity of Jesus by teaching a Jesus who was a good man, a perfect man, a great communicator, maybe even a miracle worker, but they will deny that he was God. And if you deny that Jesus was God, there are severe implications upon you. In fact, you cannot be Christian without believing that Jesus is God. If you deny that Jesus was man, you will have serious problems because for God to dwell among us, to become Emmanuel, God with us, he had to become man. And as a matter of fact, the humanity of Jesus has implications for our salvation as well. Today we hear of a Jesus who was a good man. We hear of a Jesus who was an angel but really not God. We hear of uh, people teaching that Jesus was a God but with a small g. He had godly attributes but really not the God of heaven. And brothers and sisters, I need to let you know that if anyone is wrong on Jesus and what Jesus has done for our salvation, such people can really not be called Christians. In short, we call them cults or false religious groups. So the writer of Hebrews in pointing out the superiority, the supremacy of Jesus. He is helping these Hebrew Christians who are in danger of compromise to recognize that what they have found in Jesus is far better. Their commitment to Jesus is not a mistake. In fact, it is one that will be greatly rewarding. In this message, the writer of Hebrews shows us a Jesus who is fully God and shows us what the glory of this God actually looks like. And he shows us the God of glory who has humbled himself in great humility to become man for our sake and for our salvation. In fact, the first two chapters make a case for the identity of who Jesus is. As we read here in verses 2 and 3, we already read that God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. So you see that even through Jesus, the Son, the universe has been created. Jesus, who is the Creator, one tells us about His identity, that He is the beginner of everything, and what that means is that he himself is not part of the created things. He is eternal, in other words. He, the, he who has always been in time and history created the universe as we see it today. But he is not just the creator. He is also revealed to us as one who radiates the glory of God. As the sun's rays are to the sun, so is Jesus to God the Father. We are also told that he is the exact imprint, the exact representation of who God is. And by hearing that, basically what the writer of Hebrews is telling these believers is that just like you stamp something 
And that mark from the stamp that goes, say, on a paper, he says that Jesus is like that stamp. And you know that when you see a stamp on a paper, what that tells you that it mirrors what the real stamp actually looks like. If the real stamp is saying Africa Center for Apologetics Research, when you stamp on a paper, you cannot have something else called maybe living hope. No, it would exactly be what is on the original stamp. And the writer of Hebrews says that this is what Jesus the Son looks like. He is the exact representation of God. In fact, this version says that he expresses the very character of God and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his hand. We are talking about Jesus, who not only is God, who not only radiates God's glory and represents the very character of God, but one who sustains everything he created. That even the creation as we see it at the present is only because of the sustaining hand of God's power and especially of Jesus' power. The whole reason the writer of Hebrews introduces Jesus in this kind of manner is to show them that the one in whom they have put their trust is worth their life and even worth their death. And so in the moment of persecution and confusion, they cannot afford to turn their backs on him and go back to Judaism. They cannot afford to turn their understanding of who Jesus is and mix his teaching with the teachings of the Old Testament religion. The writer of Hebrews is saying, in Jesus, everything has become better. Everything is greater. Everything is wonderful. Everything is marvelous. And how can you ever even think of turning your back away from Jesus? This one who is the heir of all things, the creator of everything, the sustainer of everything. This one, who not only is all these things, but interestingly, in verse 3 we read that when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Interestingly, that the Jesus whom they have come to believe is one who has ability to purify them from their sins to cleanse them from their unsinfulness and reconcile them to the holy and loving God. And when he had done the ministry of purification, guaranteed the forgiveness of all sinners who put their trust in him, we are told that he sat at the right hand of the majestic God. One who sits is one who has finished his work. What we are being told here is that Jesus not only purified us from our sins, but he completed the work of purification, which is why he now sits at the right hand of the majestic God. That you who has come to trust in Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, you can be sure that you are not only truly forgiven, but fully and finally forgiven, because in Jesus everything is complete Everything is final. Everything is full. This is the Jesus they had come to embrace. And that is why they were warned not to turn away from putting their trust in God for any other alternative or option that the challenges of the day were bringing their way. 
in this letter of Hebrews, you will find about six serious warnings that the writer of Hebrews gives them. He gives them a teaching about who Jesus is and what makes him more superior and greater than anyone and everything. And then he gives them a warning. Knowing who this Jesus is and what he has done, if you do not heed him or submit to him, the following will happen to you. You read like in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 to 4, he talks about those who are in danger of drifting from Jesus. And he says, this Jesus whom you have come to know, who is this great? How will you survive if you drift away from what you have been told and you neglect so great a salvation that has come from him? He warns them about the danger of departing from the message they have had concerning the identity and the ministry of Jesus in chapter 3. In chapter 4, he warns them about the danger of disobedience. He reminds them how Old Testament Israel had come out of Egypt under the powerful leading of God. But because of disobedience, they all perished in the wilderness for 40 years that they were wandering there. And he says if God could punish the people he had brought out of Egypt because of their disobedience, how much more do you think you will be punished? if you disobey the work and the ministry of Jesus, who is God's own son. He talks about the danger of dullness in Hebrews chapter 5. Those who have heard the message of the gospel, but for some reason have either not taken it seriously and given it the importance and the urgency it demands, or who for whatever reasons are dull of hearing, are slow in responding, are sluggish to make a commitment until it is too late for them. He says if they do not take advantage of the benefits of this gospel, what else is going to be their salvation? He warns those who may despise the sacrifice and the work of Christ Jesus. After knowing what Jesus has done and who he is to you, if you despise the ministry that Jesus has done, the finished ministry, by the way, what else do you think is going to save you? In Hebrews chapter 12, he warns those who will defy the ministry and the call of the gospel. That if Jesus is who he really is, and you have heard the gospel about him, and for whatever reason you deny him and defy his leadership and his authority, how will you escape? This is one of the most powerful letters in the New Testament, friends, that you can ever read. A letter in which not only we are introduced to a God who, in spite of his glory, has humbled himself to become man for our salvation, but the one who has called us out of our cultures, our traditions, our witchcraft, our challenges, our immoral living, our sinfulness, and calls us to a better life, to a better country, to a better covenant, to a better relationship. How will you escape if you neglect such a man? In the writer of Hebrews, you see how the ministry and the work of Jesus presents better in everything in comparison to what Israel had witnessed in the Old Testament. We live in days where Jesus has been diminished or defied or despised or disobeyed and especially because of the false teachers 
who deny and distort his identity. We have so many cultic groups today that present another Jesus, the one that is not revealed in the scriptures. A Jesus who may love you but won't save you. A Jesus who does not rebuke your sin. A Jesus who does not tell you about hell. A Jesus who died so that you can do whatever you want. A Jesus who died so that you can become rich in the material things of the world. And none of those descriptions or teachings, brothers and sisters, are found in the scriptures. If you believe a wrong Jesus, you will not arrive at a right salvation. If you believe a right Jesus, you must go beyond believing to practically showing that the work of Jesus Christ in your life is actually of benefit. We have so many Christians in our day who assent to the teachings of Jesus mentally and intellectually. But in reality and in life and practice, they do not really follow Jesus. Remember what Jesus said, you are either fully in or you are not. If any man must come after me, he must deny his father and his mother, brothers and sisters. Yes, even himself, carry his cross not once, but daily and follow me. Jesus is the same one that said that if anyone must have life, he must be willing to lose it for my sake. Jesus is the same one that said that if you are ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. He is the same one who said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one, absolutely no one comes to the Father except through me. Have you come to this saving, life-changing knowledge of the person of Jesus as a person? If you have really known Jesus, are you in danger of being in compromise simply because you have not trusted Jesus for what he has done on your behalf? What about some of you who are mixing the teaching of Christianity with the teachings of African traditional religions or even who are going back to Judaism? Today we have a section in Christianity of people who are claiming that for you to become a Christian, you must be a Jew first. They have gone to Old Testament Judaism, are blowing trumpets, are dressing like the high priests in the Old Testament. Some of them even some time back were starting to offer animal sacrifices like the priesthood in the Old Testament did. And brothers and sisters, I can frankly tell you that that is false teaching. It is counterfeit Christianity and not the teaching of the Bible. Because all these rituals and practices in the Old Testament were a shadow of the reality to come, which has found its fulfillment in Christ Jesus. Jesus is a better sacrifice. Jesus is a better high priest. Jesus is a better prophet. Jesus is greater than anyone and everything that ever happened in Old Testament worship. And believers today, are called to the exclusive following and worship of Christ Jesus as Lord. And those who come in, they must come in with their everything, knowing that no one who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom, as Jesus said. My brothers and sisters, I pray that you will find great encouragement in this letter to the Hebrews as we journey together looking at the superiority of Jesus Christ, the supremacy of Jesus Christ above everything and everyone. May you be encouraged in the Lord. May you be challenged where you have been believing falsely about Jesus, that placing your commitment in God's Son, 
Who is the radiance of God's glory? Who is the creator and sustainer of everything? Who is the exact representation of the very God? You will find not just life, but life eternal, life that goes beyond the grave. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.